quick note before we begin the episode. Episode 200 is fast approaching, and to mark the occasion, Hussam and I will host a special Q&A session with questions from you lovely treasurers. Click on the link in the show notes to submit your question, and we will even send a $10 gift card for our favorite five questions. It can be about careers, treasury, corporate treasury 101, or even what Hussam's favorite ice cream flavor is. Deadline to submit your question is December 15th. Have a lovely episode. Welcome to the Corporate Treasury 101 podcast. This is the second part of our full interview with Karen van den Dries, where we discuss how skills, methodologies, and tech innovations help treasurers in sub-investment grade companies. In the episode of today, expect to learn what skills and competencies the treasury professionals need to develop or enhance to successfully navigate a sub-investment grade setting, whether they are particular methodologies or best practices that are particularly effective, what tools or platforms can aid treasurers in this specific environment, whether they are innovations Karen has integrated or even considered at some stage in her career, and like always, much, much more. We hope you will enjoy the episode. If that is the case, and when you're thinking about how you found our podcast, chances are that it was through word of mouth, social media, or a recommendation from your favorite podcast platform. And this is our only request to you. The best way you can support the podcast is to head to YouTube and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Corporate Treasury 101. That will mean the world to us, help more people learn about treasury and help us spread the treasury world. On another other note, this episode is brought to you by Automation Boutique. Automation Boutique is empowering treasury, finance, and risk management with tailored automation solutions. They use robotic process automation, RPA, AI, APIs, and Power Query to create automations that can work with your existing systems. We partnered with Automation Boutique as we really like their approach to innovation and how they help the industry. For this partnership, they came up with an AI-powered automation self-scan that can help you find out if a business process is suitable for automation and how to best get started. It is totally free, non-intrusive, and only takes about 15 minutes. What's great is that the report you will get from the scan helps you determine if the benefits of the automation outweigh the costs. If you want to have a look, head to the link in the description or to automationboutique.com slash corporate treasury 101 and with all that being said please welcome karen von den Drich. very cool you've touched upon it a bit karen but what does the so we understand now what credit rating means for the company itself mm-hmm. And as we are leaning towards the second section of this interview, what does it mean for the treasurer? Like, what are the implications for you as the group treasurer of a company when it comes to... If you have a investment grade rating, and I think I mentioned this before the show, and everything I'm saying is from my personal experience, of course, right? So I'm not saying that this is true or not true, but this is from my personal experience, is that I used to work for different companies which were all investment grade uh, companies which were at the top of the investment uh, grade um, and I never really realized or paid attention to it um, so so from a treasury perspective again in my in my view is I only started noticing the impact or 
of of uh, being sub-investment grade by working in a sub-investment grade company. Mm-hmm. So that's when when reality really hit. Because I, I I think the treasury challenges for sub-investment grade companies is mainly access to liquidity, mm-hmm. and then secondly the price you have to pay for that access to liquidity, and and one of the the thoughts I had when I joined a sub-investment grade company is like, well, I need the money to be able to drive my business. Well, before, and I'll talk about banks in general, they would maybe maybe overreacting, but they would <laughs> throw money at you when you didn't really need it. Mm-hmm. Now that you need it, they don't want to give it to you. So it's like, and I understand the whole idea behind it, but it is frustrating sometimes is when you're in this organization, it's like, but this is now when I need it, and and before I didn't need it, and you give it to me. So it's a little bit um, difficulty. So I think that's that's important in sub investment grade. Is this access to liquidity? Is it access to funding? Um, then the price you have to pay for it. But then also operationally, right? I mean, um, you as a treasurer will look at um, the rating of your counterparts to assess the risk. Our suppliers, our customers, our banks do the same right and so an impact or, or or consequence of being some investment grade or maybe moving from sub from investment grade to sub investment grade or the, the the rating scale um could be um your suppliers don't want to take any risk on you anymore or less risk which means that they will shorten their payment terms which has again an impact on your working capital so very often by getting a downgrade it has a lot of implications because it, it's not just your um, cost of funding, let's say, mm-hmm. but it's the access to funding purely from a financing perspective. But but financing is bigger than bank financing or external financing. Financing is also your payment terms. How quickly do I collect my money from my customers? How quick do I have to pay my suppliers? And if I have to pay my suppliers in 30 days instead of 90 days, I'm losing credit from that side as well. So I think that is probably something that people tend to forget is there's the the real what you would call core treasury aspect of it but it's there's a whole operational aspect of it as well that you need to take into account super interesting do you see any impact on the client side as well for the collections so payments we would understand why i mean uh-huh. it would make sense that the supplier, the supplier sees a bit of risk and it's like okay let's shorten the payment terms yeah on the client sides is what, there... there could potentially be because from a client side maybe not necessarily on the financial flow mm-hmm. However, a client can be concerned that you, because you might default, because your risk of default is higher, mm-hmm. that you're not going to be able to deliver them products anymore. So, so they have more risky, they have a, a more risky supplier in front of them. And if they buy from one um, supplier, their risk goes up. So it might mean that they would have to diversify suppliers, which could, could mean a loss of business. So, so, but I, I think that is where, um, and, and I think maybe we'll come to that at some point during, during the, the interview, but I think that's where it's really important that whenever, and I'm, I'm thinking again, more from moving from investment grade to sub-investment grade, but what I think is more important within a sub-investment grade environment is that there is really open communication within your whole organization so that they know what the implications are of being considered risking or a, li- a higher likelihood of, of defaulting. Mm. So in your day-to-day treasury operations as a treasurer, mm-hmm. like being sub-investment grade versus not, like how does that impact the day-to-day role that you do? 
Well, being sub-investment grade as such, as long as there's no change, doesn't necessarily impact my job, right? I still do the same type of things. I need to make sure um, access to funding that I have liquidity in the right place at the right. So, so that in essence doesn't change the role of treasury. I mean, it's the constraints within. Mm-hmm. Like we, I mean, I'm going to repeat myself again. This access to liquidity mm-hmm. that is the constraints within which you. But I don't think there's a big difference in in being some so investment rate or not. The transition was the hard part. Yes. So, so in our case, I mean, um, we were seven. So again, when I joined this, this, this organization, we were already seven investment grade. Um, and, but we have moved down, um, since in the last two years, which was a result of COVID, which was a result of the commodity price mm-hmm. spikes and increases. Um, we had supply chain issues. Um, so as a result of that, we have had a couple of downgrades. Um, and so then, yes, you see the difference because your access to liquidity becomes even harder. You might have had um, financing or alternative financing sources in place uh, for a working capital perspective um, that then banks do no longer want to offer you. For example, supply chain finance, your factoring might be at risk, um, even issuing bank guarantees. Right, because a bank guarantee is a form of credit that the bank uh, gives you, so they might be less inclined to give you that additional credit. So, so by reducing your credit has an impact. Once you're in that situation, I guess you know what what you deal with. So, talk us through that journey. Like when you do move your grade mm-hmm. on your ratings, like is it overnight? Like all of a sudden you wake up and you got. 15 emails from your yes. different bank partners and say, hey, this just got announced. We need to have a chat. <laughs> well, that would be nice if it would be, we need to have a chat. So um, the email is, your intraday limits have been cut. Today? Yes. Jeez. And then what do you do? Yeah. And then, uh, uh, you, and then you, you live you with the you, trucks to stop. <laughs> first, again, coming from an investment grade, I would yell and scream. I was like, this is totally unacceptable, but okay. This is your new reality. So this is the way it works. Um, and five conditions. Because mm. like, with, so when Moody's gives you, the, let's say, announce the rating, mm-hmm. do you get it before the public does at we least? Do. So at least you know, okay, this is coming. Yes. And you okay. don't know what is going to be the actual impact, right? Mm. Because banks have their own ratings models as well, mm. uh, but they still rely very much on, on the official rating. And it's not like... Um, the news gets out or gets published and the following day, um, mm-hmm. you have that, but you do know that once this official rating is out, that there will be impacts on your banking facilities, there will be impacts on your suppliers. Um, so you will know that because a lot of our suppliers have actually credit insurance in place, right? Mm-hmm. So, but the credit insurers also use this rating, so they will downgrade their assessment and therefore provide less insurance. And therefore, suppliers will reduce your payment terms. Um, so, you, so you do know if, if an action like that is announced that you have to, like, I don't know, put everything aside because you will need to try to convince your suppliers. And then, and then again, it's coming back to that communication. It's being very connected with all of your, your procurement team, um, getting on calls with suppliers explaining, and credit insurers explaining to them or trying to convince them not to follow the, the credit rating agency's actions and to continue to maintain the credit. How much time do you get between when you know and when it's public 
and then when the banks adjust their internal like what's the time period? between when we know and it gets published probably two to three days really that's yeah. a short little... yeah um they do their assessment they tell you but they they i mean let's say within the week it, it gets officially published okay um and then that that really depends on on the bank. I mean, if you have, I always say, if I have a very good um, account manager who can manage their the internal bank credits committee, um, not to do anything immediately. So, so then it really comes down to the relationships you have with your bank, how risk averse they are. I mean, so so then then it becomes a little bit of a negotiation process. But once they have taken their decision, then it's almost an immediate impact on on, uh, on whatever they provide. How do you, so it's a bit business strategy, I assume, but how do you get out of this in the sense that the way you explain it, it sounds very much like a vicious circle because the banks get the liquidities, get the intraday limits in, in, even. So how, what happens to your cash pooling? The suppliers request you to pay earlier. The clients might be saying, hey, look, uh, we want to keep doing business with you, but maybe we're going to do a bit less. I mean, you're getting the water cut from all the things. That's uh, maybe a French expression uh, wrongly translated, but how do you go from, okay, we just got downgraded and we got a worse supply of money cut no right. to let's get back on track and let's. Well, I think there's, there's probably two elements to it, right? Is, I mean, why do you get a ratings downgrade is because of your business environment, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, so, um, so what you do, and that's not a treasury activity. I mean, that's your, your, your organization, right? Okay. Is you try to figure out is how can you increase on those earnings again? I, I, how can you? So I think how can you increase your earnings or earnings potential, um, and how can you reduce your debt? Right. Okay. So, and I think it really depends on why were earnings down. Right. It could be that you lost business and you had I don't know a quality issue or something like that. Depending on which which company or or what it, where you're, what happened. It could be like in our case, it's just the whole market was getting declined and prices went up by I don't know. A significant amount. So, so you you ride the 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 wave, I guess. Um, you you if your input costs go up, you try to push that pricing through to your customers. I mean, I think that's not something for for us mm. as a company. It's what's happening or what has been happening over the last two years in 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 all industries, right? Because I mean, you try to push your pricing to to the end or to your customer and then to the end consumer. So you try to get your margins back to the same level or up. You look in your organization, where can you be more efficient? Where can you do more savings? I mean, so, so you, you look a lot internally as well. It's like, where can, can we become better? Mm -hmm. And as a result, hopefully as you're, uh, as being more, um, trying to push your, your increased costs through to your customers, your margins improve, you generate cash and you use that cash to pay off your debt and then. And then I guess, depending on, on what company you're in, is like, you, sometimes you would look at, okay, is my strategy the right strategy again? It's like, do I want to continue investing in, I don't know if you have three, four different type businesses, right? Do I want to be within those four businesses or do, do I maybe want to divest one of my businesses and use that cash to repay uh, that? So, so there is no one answer fits all. It's just like, and that's where. Or as an organization, I mean, your management team and your board, I guess, um, decide on, okay, what is this, this strategy going forward? Um, now there's also, there is no, not all companies will 
ever be investment grades. There are certain industries, certain type of organizations where, I mean, if it's a more capital um, uh, intensive industry, it's okay to be sub-investment grade. I mean, because the, the returns for your investors are better as well, right? I mean, they'll get more. It's also, I mean, the whole investment market once, I mean, you, you have a little bit more risk, but you have some more returns. So, so there will always be companies at a spectrum of that scale, which is fine. And as a treasurer, what can, is there anything you can do actually? And how does it work exactly? Like if it comes down to the repayment of debt, maybe you are part of those strategies discussion saying, Hey, okay, we should really focus on this debt because it's more expensive than the others, or it's not used as it should. Or what, what happens there? Well, I think as a treasurer, there's a couple of things you can do. I mean, first of all, of course, try to, to manage your treasury as efficiently as possible. Mm -hmm. I mean, as soon as you have money, uh, repay your debts, um, invest whenever you can. Um, make sure you have the right capital structure in place. I mean, can you move? And maybe it's it's not at that time, but before is have the right balance of fixed and floating um, debt in place, right? So that, that when you're downgraded, maybe your, your fixed rate debt won't be affected by it while you're floating usually is if you have like an RCF or something because it's going to have your margins going to be impacted. Um, so those are things you can do. I think um, from a treasury perspective, what you can also help on is, okay, because sometimes your earnings are really affected by what we were saying earlier, your commodity prices, energy prices, um, your foreign exchange fluctuations. So how as a treasury department involved are you in managing that risk, whether you hedge or don't hedge, or you buy certain products. Um, can you work with your procurement team to have like fixed clauses in your contract where prices don't get uh, pushed? Those are like a more, well, I would say the first one is like what type of debt and make sure that that's investment, that's your core treasury. And then I, um, what is really important for me is being a business partner. I think treasury can do a lot of things in their ivory tower, but if they remain in their ivory tower, they won't be able to address a lot of that. Treasury is not going to change the earnings, right? That are our remits, but we can help. And I, the, the most important message action that Treasury can do is make sure that the whole organization, so it comes down to communication, right? Is make sure that the whole organization understands what the metrics are. What is it that gives us this, I guess, limited access to, to funds and what we, can we do as an organization to help um, to help on that, like what are the important metrics? Um, and it has to really trickle down to the lowest level in the organization so that even, I don't know, somebody who works at the uh, production line, you could say it was like, why does that person care what, what metrics we have? Well, if that person understands that he, whatever he can do to make his line or her line run more efficiently and to have a higher output from that line, line less downtime will improve our inventory will improve our working capital and therefore will improve our cash position. So it's really going down to that lowest level and making sure that, and that's, I think the, the core value that treasury can bring because treasury can be core value in their ivory tower and not talk to the business. Um, but, but I think that's where you have a value at. Again, just my from me, no, but that's good. So there is a real, I humbly said education role mm -hmm. for the treasury department to make the whole company understand how to actually to potentially upgrade this credit rating. Yeah. And I think wh whatever the name is called, there's a lot of companies who have, I don't know, cash is King Pro, 
grams or I don't know whatever names are are being given to it and and but it all comes down to the same. It's like understand why cash is so important in your organization and make sure that that is is being treated. So Karen, you said at the beginning of this interview that you are you're very passionate or passionate about treasury. Um, and we had a question around a personal anecdote, but I feel this whole interview is also about you explaining what you've seen in it. We're interested in understanding what's what do you see as being one of the biggest challenge working as the group treasurer of a company that is sub-investment grade, but is there any fun in it as well? Like, what do you find challenging but interesting? What is, in your opinion, the pros? I mean, the, there's, a, there's a couple of things. So some things are fun, some things are less fun, I'll, I'll say. Um, I, I think the biggest challenge for me well, there's a couple, but but would be I mean what keeps you what keeps me awake is that you have we have external debts right, um, which will need to be refinanced at at some point in the future, and and the question is is will I have access to liquidity and at what cost right because I mean it's this vicious circle which you referred to earlier is like yeah but you you're higher up or lower down the rating scale so you have less access to liquidity or at a higher cost, which means you have a higher interest expense. So your free cash flow goes down. So you have less cash available to repay your debt. So you're in this vicious circle. Yeah. Um, so that is something that does keep me awake at night. Is like, um, and I'm sure for our bankers who would be listening to this, I'm sure <laughs> that that we will come to, to a good outcome. But that is a challenge that I'm thinking is like, okay, what will be the right time to refinance our debt? Will we be able to do it at a, at a reasonable um, levels, especially given given the rates or the, the base rates that have increased? Okay. So that is, I think, a challenge for me. I think the other one would be is that you need to make choices, right, about where you invest your funds. And so the choices usually totally logically go into the business, right? Mm -hmm. But from a treasury perspective, I just look a little bit uh, selfishly. It's like... I don't have a treasury management system, so I'm not a very efficient in my treasury system, in my treasury organization. So would I love to have be more automated, have more systems in place? Yes, but that requires an investment, time, money, people, which I don't have the luxury of investing that in into my treasury organization. So it's a little bit in this vicious circle is that you're not necessarily as efficient as you could be, but you don't have either the time or the resources, resources being people slash money. Yeah to invest in that. So, so that's a little bit the first time from, from my perspective, I'd love to be state of the art treasury. Um, <laughs> unfortunately, um, that gets a, a lower, uh, importance level, um, than, than getting the business running. Mm -hmm. So I think that is definitely, uh, one. uh, we refer to reducing or the credit limits or intraday limits being, being cut or being reduced. Um, there's nothing fun about that. And there's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing positive that you can get out of it. I mean, it really is. Totally inefficient workload wise, get frustrated because just in our example, in our case, we pay our supplier once a month. So it's a significant amount. So because you don't have any intraday limits anymore, you have to pre-fund your accounts, but we still have cash pooling in place. Meaning, I don't know, I put a hundred dollars on my account to pay my supplier. Mm -hmm. I need to make sure that one, the files get signed on time Two, that the bank doesn't have an issue and actually executes all of my payments because if something happens well my 100 that i pre-funded is gone at the end of the day so i can't execute my payment so i have to do my pre-funding again the next day so it's totally inefficient 
it creates frustration for the team because they have to do the same thing over and over again. It Man. creates manually. I mean, okay, how much do I need on this account? Okay, let me send that money to that account. Okay, uh, tomorrow I need again the same amount. Okay, let's transfer again. Um, but it also creates um, frustration at our supplier side. We say we pay you on the first of the month and then, uh, sorry, we had an issue. So it's going to be tomorrow. It's going to be the day after. So you lose credibility towards your counterparts where you don't want to lose credibility and it's not intentional. Um, so those are really the, the frustrating parts. And then I think, which is something I mentioned totally at the beginning, yes, I'm passionate about it, but I'm also passionate about people and empowering teams to, to, to learn um, is that it might not always be um, the easiest or the most attractive environment to attract new people. Because people are concerned, right? They say, yeah, but why would we work for a company that is sub-investment grade and maybe has has rating issues and, and things like that? So attracting the right talents could be challenging. Um, so those are, I mean, a, a little bit the, the point that I, mm. that I worry about. Um, the fun part is, I mean, yeah, you have to think out of the box. It's like, how do I, with the limited amount of people, resources, money I have, how can I do the best job for my organization? Mm-hmm. So I think that is definitely fun. And the fact is that, I don't know, it's maybe your ego, but you become more important within the organization. Mm-hmm. Treasury actually gets listened to um, because you are the ones who are saying, no, we're not going to pay this, or yes, you can pay this, or... I mean, th- that's really at, at the lowest level. We're definitely not there yet, but but at least you, you, you get a little bit more power mm-hmm. um, and you get involved in a lot. Of, uh, the, the result of what I mentioned earlier, you need to talk to the whole organization mm-hmm. to make sure that they explain what's going on, which means that, the, I don't know if you get the visibility, if that's the right word, but you get involved into a lot of projects within the organization. And in my case, I'm also responsible for working capital which means I know more about inventory planning than I've ever known before. <laughs> um, you talk to your, you're part of the discussions with your customers, with your suppliers. So, so it is very enriching and, and it gives you a much broader perspective than the treasury aspect. 